When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and I'm joined this week as we give what might well be a post-mortem given that I think it was the death of a lot of Rangers careers yesterday. First of all, the Sage of Solcoats, Andy McGowan is here. Hello folks. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say my usual pleasure to be here bullshit but I don't think I'll go down. But pretty no, well this week. Well, no, it was a three-line whip, and someone else who didn't get out of the way quick enough is Ross Hutton. We need to stop speaking like this, David. This has become yeah, quite do. a habit, but no, yeah, thanks for having me. Do. Cheers. Yeah, uh, well, habit is unfortunately a good word because my expectations um, weren't high. I knew we wouldn't get gubbed, right? There was never any sense of that. Uh, but my feelings, as you boys know, going into this game was I didn't think we would win. I thought we would lose narrowly, and I thought we would be left walking away from Hamden, ruining, if you will, some some bad decisions uh, because this team makes mistakes at the back and is powder puff up front, has absolutely nothing. And unfortunately, Andy, what we got yesterday was a sort of, I was going to say greatest hits, but greatest misses of the season all rolled into one. We gave away a goal, which I must admit, even by some of the stupid goals we've given away this season, this one raised it to a new level of incredulity in the stands at what we witnessed. And then in the second half, although we, we dominated possession, we dominated territory, we had some decent situations, again, Nothing at all. Totally blunt in the attack. And when you have those situations, you don't win football matches. No. I mean, we we, we met before the game by chance and we were talking about um, what we thought we could or would happen. We spoke about the importance of getting the first goal, which I know sounds blindingly obvious, but we were saying, look, we need to give Celtic a bloody nose. Make them actually stare defeat in the face for once. We've no, never done that for long and weary. And I think we know everything what we need to know about this squad and this team. Uh, it's pretty lamentable some of the aspects of it. Um, I think you know in pods and many a podder has said, you know, so many of these players have ran their race with Rangers, and there was something kind of tragic about yesterday because, as you say, careers ended yesterday. Probably should have been ended a bit earlier for being really, really ruthless here. But I know Ken Morelis, you know, it's it's sad to see them go the the, the way they have. But that's no sympathy. Don't mistake that for sympathy. That's me saying that, you know, we've went into this season 
and just not got a tune at them. I, I, I was the man that said, look, you can take players into a final season and Goldson is an example and you can still get something from them. still believe that to be the case, but I've been proven completely incorrect with, with Morelis and Kent. Morelis is a disgrace as far as I'm concerned and uh, uh, I'm not singling him out by any manner of means, but I, I do think he's symptomatic of the malaise that's gripped us this season. And the goal itself, I mean, we'll come on to it, I'm sure, but it was the first time I think I've ever been angry at Rangers not getting a foul against them by the referee because it was a foul and I think that's why Raskin stopped but it was it was criminal for, for start to finish you know Kent goes to sleep they take the quick free kick Raskin fouls him he stops I think he's for me the one that's most culpable amongst many um, because I can kind of understand why Barisic and Lundstrom are standing there waiting expecting him to move the cross is a it's a good cross, but it's a blind cross. And then you've obviously got Tavernier at the back doing something we've seen far, far too often. It was it was comical. It really was. And I think a couple of weeks ago after the Parkhead game in the post-match, I said something along the lines of, in the 90s, you know, Celtic would get close, they'd get in touching distance, and then somebody would slip their arse and give us, a, you know, gift us something, and that would be enough to, to take, them away from, take us away from them. It's a total role reversal just now. So... You know, I got I got I got that ground yesterday, pretty empty, and the only solace I've got is that I know there's a rebuild coming, and we can argue the the toss or what that actually looks like and whether it'll be a success or not. But it's the only thing I've got just now to cling to. Um, you said you said there that Kent went to sleep. I'm not sure Kent woke up. Uh, yesterday that 45 minutes was genuinely among the worst that I've seen a Rangers player put in in a big match. Uh, on that, Ross, watching the game back today, um, I think I felt as we all did that Cantwell had a good game, but maybe didn't use the ball as well as we would hope. But having watched the game back, he has got nothing to hit. The midfield has got absolutely nothing at all to hit. Um, Morelos's movement, as Andy says, is non-existent at the moment. But even one moment that I thought was Ryan Kent and microcosm yesterday was that uh, Cantwell's breaking with the ball. He's carrying the ball through the midfield. Now, Kent can either go inside him to give him the chance to slip a through ball, or he can go outside him to give him the chance to to play a one-two or go wide or whatever. He does neither. He tucks in behind Todd Cantwell. And I thought, oh, right. And then later on, a very similar thing occurs, and it happens with Barisic as well. He was awful. That's, that's hiding, and that's something I've never accused Ryan Kent of before. But that was a shambolic performance. And I know people have said, you know, Chris Boyd said, well, I don't think he was fit. But this isn't this isn't out of the ordinary. He was woeful yesterday. I mean, really, really bad. And unfortunately, it set the tone for the front players. There was nothing, absolutely nothing. We didn't hold the ball up there. It didn't stick. Didn't win headers, so we couldn't really play long because it just came straight back. When we went wide, uh, Kent and then Tillman in the, the first half of in the second didn't provide us with anything at all. And you're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to break the doors down with a bit of paper. And that's what it felt like yesterday. Yeah, on the point on Todd Cantwell, it, it doesn't really matter whether your name's Todd Cantwell or your name's Kevin De Bruyne. If you've got nothing to hit in front of you, you've got nothing to hit in front of you. There was plenty of instances where that was noticeable, even at the game yesterday as well, where we would get the ball and it wasn't just Cantwell to be fair maybe Lundstrom would get the ball to feet Raskin would turn on the ball and there'd be nobody moving off of them and you can't really score many goals in football if you don't have forwards who are willing to do the running that's just a, a staple of the game so you're already self-limiting in that sense of its own and you're right as well because when we are resorting to long balls which we did arguably too often yesterday you could probably make that accusation of the League Cup final as well if nothing's sticking, if you're not winning knockdowns and winning second balls off the back of it, you're just putting yourself under waves and waves of relentless pressure. You're not giving yourself any opportunity to actually go and get up the park. So that's one problem. And then, like you say, when you're actually in the position where you do win those second balls in the rare moments that we did. So if you've got nothing to hit in front of you, then what you do, you're launching it long again, even further and gifting possession back. Or you're turning backwards and, and just 
messing about with the ball in positions that aren't going to hurt Celtic, and that's a theme of this side. The point on Ryan Kent, listen, we don't want to come here and throw Ryan Kent under the bus. I think for the money we paid for Ryan Kent, for what he's given us in big games before in Europe, indeed what he has done against Celtic, I do genuinely think he's been a good servant for Rangers, but you're right, he has never had before, which is why it makes it so galling and so noticeable, even to the naked eye, when he does hide. That one instance that we can think of yesterday, like you were saying, when it, when, it, when he cut inside as well, where he wasn't maybe tracking runners, when he just looked completely disinterested, it's not something I think you could label at Ryan Kent a lot over his Rangers career. In fact, it's been the opposite. How many times have we said that he plays like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, mm. as if he cares too much? So for that to go to the complete opposite end of the scale, listen, whether he was playing with an injury or he was playing to prevent an injury, I don't know, but his head wasn't at Hamden yesterday. I don't think that was alone for Ryan Kent. I think he was one of a number of players who were mentally checked out. But you're right. It's, uh, when you're in a position where you're not giving yourself the opportunity to actually hit forwards in dangerous areas, then you're not going to score very many goals in football. And that's part of the, the reason why we don't win in these big games, is that we don't have forwards who are willing to make those clinical or decisive runs. We'll come to talk about one instance in, in a moment, I'm sure. And we don't have midfield who, who can hit them because they don't exist, pretty much. And it's a shame because, like I say, these players have, have done a good turn for Rangers. You mentioned Kent there, Morelos. They are good footballers. They will go on to have good careers, and I do wish them well in that. But I, I don't ever want to see them in the Rangers jersey. Again, I think I'm like a lot of fans in the sense that I am just so done with them now. And it's a shame that this is the, the way their Rangers careers are coming to an end because for the service they have given us, they probably do deserve better than that. But this is a problem of their own making, unfortunately. Yeah, I I disagree slightly. I think that that Kent might go on and have a respectable enough career from here. Uh, I I think Morelos is. I I don't think he's in love with being a footballer anymore. I, I think he'll, I think David. I think he'll find a good level somewhere. I mean, there's plenty. Oh of no, he'll get he'll Europe, get a but, good he'll get yeah. a good move. I, that's that's a different thing. He'll get a good move and he'll make money. But I have zero doubts that we'll be looking back in Alfie's career and went, yeah, we had the best of them. Because I think that the sacrifices you need to make to be at your very best as a professional footballer, and Alfie just currently isn't. Um, and unless that changes, I just don't. I don't see it happening. But um, you know, we we mentioned the goal there, Andy, and the manager spoke about this afterwards, where he said that it's the kind of you know stupid mistake that that the team has made all season. And there comes a point after a while where, right, okay, once fair enough. Two, three—it's a carelessness. When it does happen regularly in these games, then it's a quality issue, surely. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the the, the issues since Bill Bill took over um, have not really been tactics. I think the tactics have been pretty much where they needed to be and gave us a fighting chance compared to what we were watching beforehand. Total capitulations, you know. Uh, the issue lies with personnel and the quality within that personnel. By quality, I mean every type of quality, concentration, diligence, defensive, attacking, on the ball, everything. Um, and that is the difference between the two teams just now. Uh, I think it was a wee bit more than that. I think they're embedded, they're, they've got a win behind their, their sails, they've no injuries. So it, it was, it, there was always an inevitability about it because I'm, I'm watching the, the clock and I'm like, right, get to half time, we're still, we're still well in this. And... Uh, there was more to come for the team, I think. There was still, you know, it wasn't as if we'd, we'd emptied ourselves in the first half. And I don't think Celtic were, you know, they weren't really troubling us. It wasn't like there was a, an Alamo in the goals. Gregor had one save, maybe two saves, I think. They had a couple of set pieces. And then that happens. And um, it's, when when things like that happen, it can totally, it not only skewers the, the, the crowd, right? So the fans are like, ah, what have we just witnessed? What is that? It was so unlike anything that we've been used to growing up in terms of the the stoic defensive um, rearguard that we've always enjoyed for a lot of our, at least me and you, Davey, a lot of our times watching Rangers. It's just, it was just laughable. And then you're like, ah, well, there's the first goal went out the window, the thing that we knew we'd been talking about and you know, we knew it was so important at any old firm game, but really this time. And again, we're like, ah, can we come back? Well, maybe. Um, so it is personnel, Davey. Uh, this is why, in inverted commas, the rebuild is my solace because I, I, I do think that there'll be major, major changes. And I take comfort for the fact that Todd Cantwell and Raskin 
Um, if that's the kind of calibre of player we're going for, I don't think we'll be too far away because the one thing I would like to kind of puncture and, and, and attack from my own point of view is that we kind of build Celtic up to be unassailable. And this, for me, is not the case. The, the team has been well assembled. I think they've had a bit of luck. It's been players that the man, their managers obviously knew and recognised and understood. And they've, they've gelled very well and they've got a very, very clear identity. But in terms of level of player, I don't think we should be looking. It's not as if they're sitting there with Loudrop and Gascoigne like we had in days gone by. You know, they could not go out and find their own Loudrop and Gascoigne because it was financially impossible. So we can attain... The, the level of players that they have currently got. And I, I, I go back to the point about tactics. I'm relatively comfortable that Bill can uh, coach them into a team that is capable of competing and winning titles. I'm pretty convicted in that. And I know folk will be listening saying, well, you're just sunny side up all the time. And I, and I am. But it's born out of something that I, I can see. I think, I think we'll lose. I think we'll lose the best part of 150 to 200 grand a week in the wage bill, Davey. Easy. And if you then look at what you can get for that on a weekly basis, whether it's Bosman or signings, then you can you can rebuild and you can um, mould a team that's worthy of Rangers. And uh, I think Bill has a very clear plan. And, you know, it might be that the Wilson, Ross Wilson disappearing is a blessing to disguise at this moment in time. And, and that, that Bill gets even more autonomy than he would ever have had if, he, if that hadn't taken place. So uh, that, that, that's where I'm at, basically, is that you, you live in hope, and you always do, but there's a wee bit of crisis of confidence in the Rangers' support. I feel that we don't believe, and we hear about loser mentality on the pitch, but the loser mentality starts with, with not having belief, and we as a support need have as much belief as we expect from Bill and the players that come in, because if we don't, then we're handing advantage to, to them for the kickoff next year. Lot of, lot of big hurdles to traverse. You know, I'm, I'm hearing yesterday in the bus back home, and then I, I caught up on Twitter and folk are saying about Bill, and we're talking about if he doesn't do this or do that by October. And I'm like, ah, why do we, why do we catastrophize like this? Because I think the Champions League's going to be a big, big. If I don't, I think that's going to be a tall order to build a team in the numbers we need, and then uh, navigate that. And it will be a blow if we don't. But let's not uh, kill ourselves before it's even came to pass. You know, Bill needs to get next season at the very least, right? Um, so... He will, barring an absolute ah. disaster. He will, and I think people need to um, get that get that like in focus rather than than saying, right, well, I think we should do that, I think we should do that, because it's not going to happen. I mean, you can think it, absolutely, and you can express that, but um, it isn't going to happen. He's going to be there. Uh, I, I tend to think on that that the reality of the situation is that a Rangers manager that is consistently losing to Celtic is going to be in trouble. Now, you and I can think that's unfair, but it's a fact, right? It, it doesn't change. I would, I would kind of argue that he... he didn't have a particularly strong hand this year. And he's done all right. He hasn't done well and he hasn't done badly. He's done all right. Um, He lifted the team and people, I think, have forgotten a wee bit just how bad the team was before he arrived. And, you know, one of the things somebody said to me yesterday was, uh, all right, well, he's beating the other teams, but we should be beating those teams. Yeah, we should, but we weren't. And that he has improved, right? Fair dues. But then it's the next step, and I don't believe that you can take the next step. And one of the things that we throw a lot around, Ross, is things like passion. And, and yesterday people were saying to me, oh, you know, they, they don't care, and you could see that. It was like, some of them, I think, you're fair enough, aren't committed. But a lot of them, you know, the effort was there. The energy was there. The ability wasn't. That's the theme of the season, isn't it? Listen, over the course of a season, because this is bigger than just yesterday isn't it we wouldn't be sitting here having these kind of um, morbid discussions if it was off the back of, of one defeat if we were having some kind of vintage season that's that's not the case this is over the course of a piece here and over the course of the piece I don't believe that players have been mentally checked out all season not all of them at least I don't think Glenn Kamara for example's head or, or heart has been in it but I think in the main the players they've tried they have put themselves about especially yesterday the, the, the effort was there for the most part 
and again, of course, through the length of the season, the effort has been there. The application, I don't think, is really something that I've questioned. The ability is. But again, that's nothing new. This is the problem I'm having today, David. I'm struggling to come up with new ways to describe old problems that we've done ad nauseum on here before. And that is the key difference between Rangers and Celtic as of right now. Is that Celtic have a defensive line that will keep most of the teams out. We don't. In fact, we cause our own problems in that regard. And they have a forward line that will put other teams to bed. And we don't because we cause our own problems in that regard and don't take our opportunities when they come. And until that changes, you're not going to get any level of, of great consistency or any level of great success. And that is just the long and short of it there. You're talking about Michael Beale and possibly being in, in any kind of bother with, with fans if we don't start well next season. This is always the problem and always the worry when you bring a manager in midway through a season is regardless of how unfair it potentially is, and it probably is incredibly unfair, if people start to get even even a micro doubt in their head, if you don't start like an absolute house on fire the season afterwards, those doubts just come to the fore again. And listen, I think it would be incredibly unfair in the main to, to throw those old firm games in his face because bar the League Cup final, and people might disagree with me, that's, that's absolutely fine, but bar the League Cup final, I don't really think they've been down to him. He's trying to do the best he can with a really, really poor hand of cards that he's been dealt. The much bigger picture will come next season. I agree with Andy. Coincidentally, I think qualifying for the Champions League is an incredibly tall order with the level of rebuild that, that we need to go through. But again, if we don't make that, that's going to be another thing that people throw in his face. And the other problem that Michael Beale has is the timescale for delivery has been significantly altered by what Postacoglu done with Celtic. I think the nuances of that situation, if people really wanted to look into them, would say that, okay, fine, a lot of chips had to fall in exactly the right place for Celtic to go and win the league last season. You know, their squad gelled in a freakishly short space of time. That doesn't happen really ever with a rebuild of the size that they had, the kind of rebuild that we have now. Our manager left, so you had a level of disruption there. We regressed in the league. There was a whole host of things that went in their favour, but that doesn't matter because people only look and say, well, they done it, so you need to as well. And I think that's entirely unfair. Uh, if we really do trust Glasgow, you, though. That, that's, that's, you know, that's the reality that's, of the, the goldfish world that we live in. But if, yeah. what I'm going to say is if we really trust you, in the way that I think most of us do. I, I, I trust Beal to get this rebuild right, for example. I, I think I've, I've seen enough. He's made a really poor team consistent, which was my biggest issue over and above the old firm. So just get yourself into a point where they are going to be title deciders, which we weren't doing, because you're right, we weren't beating the rest of the Dross in the league. And that was my first and foremost issue with this Rangers team. The old firms, we can, we can deal with them in a minute if you get yourself into a position to make them count, which we've not done. So he's shown that he can do that. He can coach a team to be consistent against the rest. Right, okay, that's that's a big plus point for me. But if we really, as fans, trust Beal in the way that we say we do, you're going to have to give him time to get it right. Because I don't think this rebuild is over and done in one summer. I don't think you can do it with the level of player that we need to bring in and the amount of players we need to bring in. It's just, it's just not possible unless some freaky amount of stars align, like I say. So I'm preaching patience a wee bit here, which is quite difficult to do in the aftermath of not just yesterday, but in the aftermath of, of one of the worst seasons I think we've witnessed as Rangers fans. But in the, it needs to happen because, oh my God, if we are sitting on the 1st of May next year, David and Michael Beale is not the manager, I dread to think how far back we'll have been set. Well, that's the that's the thing about, you know, rebuild. You've got to give the guy who who did it time. But, you know, we look at what happened with Pedro. That's the concern as well, that this is going to happen. And I think Beale's a significantly better manager, incidentally. So I don't have that degree of apprehension. But it's it's a cautionary tale that, that isn't that far for us to go and and to look at. Um, I think the other thing, Andy, um, in terms of just on the manager before we go back to to the, the players, is that somebody said to me, well, this is what happens when you get an untried or a, a an untested manager. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's fair enough. We have done that the last couple of seasons. But the problem is, and again, it's this gap, I think, between how we see ourselves and how Scottish football is, is that the the market for experienced managers we're dealing in is not a good one. And some of the names that, that get bandied about for up here are totally unrealistic. People do not want to come and manage in Scotland. I said this to somebody and he replied to me, well, David, but what about European football? That's got to be a draw. I said, I for some managers. But if a manager can go to the English Premiership, he'd rather go there than play up here 
as a Champions League also ran or in the Europa League. That's a fact. That sorry, that's it. They want to be there. They want to be in that in that league. So we are going to have to be hiring probably coaches on the way up because otherwise it's going to be coaches on the way down or coaches that don't have huge levels of ability. Um, you even need to look at Celtic. They've done very well. They got very lucky with Postacoglu. But let's be honest, when they brought him in, their fans weren't exactly cartwheeling down the street saying what a great name we've brought in here. There has to be a realistic understanding of what Scottish football is in 2023 and I'm just not sure there is. Well, this is where I, and this isn't a poor me, but this is where I get caught in the crossfire because... I preach perspective and I don't think we like it, to be quite honest with you. I mean, the the the, the, the truth of the matter is that we are in the exact same market now as Celtic. They may have a wee bit more spending power because of Champions League money and the coefficient extra they get, right, in terms of volume of what they can buy. But they are not going to go much higher than what we would go in terms of purchasing players. You know, I still think two, three, four million is their their ballpark and I think for us it's the same we've probably got a wee bit more emphasis on the Bosman side of things because of um, uh, the, the financial fair play thing that's coming in and the fact we've got a new spotlight on us so we're now at a stage where we're out of the 2012 um, chasm we've effectively caught up with them in most regards by a couple that still handicap us and it's undeniable right and it probably handicaps us well last year you get six million coefficient money for Champions League. We get one point two or something. So it, it, it's no inconsiderable in the grand scheme of things when you talk about the comparisons. So we're in the same game now, and this is where I have hope because it's not like where we were five years ago, six years ago. It's not like when Gerard came in. It's not even like where it was in nineteen eighty five. David, where that was a rudderless club that we were watching, and there was a a, a gap in terms of players they had and the players that we had. So, um, Beal is a project manager, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Bisgrove is a project chief exec because we've got the exact same problem at that level as well, to be to be blunt, right? If you're wanting to go out and take a premiership level uh, CEO, then we're not going to be able to afford that. So we have to be a wee bit more inventive and out-the-box thinking. And I think we look towards uh, Scandinavian clubs, the best of Holland, that kind of thing, they try to do the same. We've got to develop talent at every single level of our club now. And there's something we've been crying out for for a long time, and now we've got to that stage where we actually have to be doing it due to financial constraints and the way the world, the football world has changed. Um, I don't think a lot of our... I don't, I don't want to say the support, but I just think mindset hasn't moved forward. I still think we can go out and buy players and all the rest of it. And, and attract big managers. It's not the case. I mean, we were linked to Deitch there. I don't know if that was realistic. You might know me on me, David, but... Deitch, uh, you know, Rangers preliminary talks. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you two examples. Eddie Howe, Celtic, uh-huh. and Sean Deitch. Rangers were Deitch, very polite. He says, yeah, big job, but I, I'm going to get an English Premier job. Yeah. I'm going to hold on. Um, and that was before it even got to wages. And he's on, I think, something like 90 grand a week at Everton. Yeah. Um, Eddie Howe, of course, strung Celtic along, waited, and then you know, got got his move to Newcastle. But that that's the thing, right? Guys are not coming up. You might get a rebuild manager, you know, like Celtic did with Brendan Rogers. Uh but again, you know, if if that's the case, then there's a reason they're coming here as as slightly damaged goods. That's the point. You're not gonna get top guys, unfortunately. But as I say, this is this is for a future date because it's a redundant conversation. He isn't going anywhere at the moment. He mentioned yesterday, Ross, as many as a dozen in and a dozen out was put to him by by Stevie from Four Lads. And he said, yeah, that's kind of the ballpark figure type thing. Um, I think that one of the the bugbears that some fans have is that he talks too much, which he does. He's too open. And that he contradicts himself, which he does. Um, I think part of that is that if you look at what we are used to in terms of press conferences, the happy medium was Gerard. Gio didn't say anything ever, right? Was so closed, just didn't. Um, Beal is too open. He, he's too honest. Gerard very carefully thought out what he wanted to say because 
the reason is, you know, for example, people are saying, well, he said a few weeks ago he was keeping low, and he said earlier in the season he believed in these players. Of course he said that. What, what did you expect him to say? He needed these players to try and win games. He's not going to say in, you know, in February, ah, they're rotten and I'm getting rid of, you know, with four months of the season to go. That, that He's not. Football managers sometimes don't tell the truth. Um, and I think we've all got to be, you know, big grown-ups about it. But because of the vault farces and the, the changes around that, when things aren't going well, people they, they get fed up hearing it, and you don't want to get yourself into a position. Um, the example I always use is Roberto Martinez at Everton, but at the end of it, the fans were just utterly sick of his press conferences, etc. You've got to try and be careful. So it is something that I think young manager, when he gets to the end of the season and he needs to review, just to be a wee bit more cautious in what he's saying. As I say, Gerard considered everything he said at a press conference. Gerard, before it happened, sat down. Gio didn't. Gio sat you know, before a press conference. His aim was, I'm not saying anything. Gerard would say, I want to say this. This is the message I want to get across. And it didn't matter what he was asked. That's what he would say. And I think that Bill needs to to kind of try and learn from that a bit. Yeah, I agree completely because it's it's quite frustrating sitting here as a fan and you and I are both sitting with press conferences with Michael Beale. I'd listen to him vacillate so wildly between different opinions one week to the next because like you say Stevie put to him yesterday about a dozen people that's now over double the amount of players that he said a couple of weeks ago and listen you're right football managers don't always tell the truth I'm maybe in a minority when I say that we as fans also don't need to know absolutely everything that goes on behind closed doors so maybe it's a case of be careful what you wish for especially when one of the biggest criticisms levelled against Gio for off-the-park matters was he wasn't a very strong communicator. I always thought that was a wee bit harsh, but and I think initially when Michael Beale came in, a lot of fans thought it was a bit of a, a breath of fresh air. I probably put myself into that. You're thinking, right, okay, he's being quite... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Open and honest with the fans. And then it gets to a point where you're like, oh, maybe, maybe a wee bit too open and honest. And this is the problem because I think you said it yesterday on the post-match stuff as well, David. Michael Beale can say these kind of things and maybe forget about it in the moment. Fans don't, especially when we're in a position where things aren't going our way. So next season, I would like him just to be a wee bit more canny circumspect oh yes precisely a wee bit more canny a wee bit more measured a wee bit more thoughtful in terms of what he actually says at his press conferences because it, it doesn't really help anyone it doesn't make him look good either and i don't think michael beale was in a position to to be made not to look good he's a clever man he's an incredibly good coach so just don't be daft with the things that you say don't give easy cheap points away because you're right see when gerard wanted to go on the attack in a press conference it was a measured attack if he wanted to create a headline, it was a measured headline. It was all manufactured and done of his own doing. And listen, I like that a lot. It was good to watch. It was good theatre, if nothing else. Stephen Gerrard's press conferences were always an entertaining and engaging watch, but for positive reasons. Now you're shooting into press conferences from Michael Beale worrying, you know, is what he's saying this Monday wildly different to what he said the last Monday, and that shouldn't be the case. So like I say, if, if he just sits down over the summer and he's another one who can reconsider just what he's saying, what he's bringing to the table at each press conference, I think a lot of fans would appreciate that. It's been difficult for him the past um, five months because you would like to think in the future he's not going to be asked every week how many players are leaving his team. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe genuinely he, he does change his opinion on that week to week after. I think he's changed his opinion on some of them, right? I I can't blame him for that because, I mean, you asked me three months ago would I keep Ryan Kent, I would have told you yes and I've now went to the complete opposite end. So I I, I don't mind opinions and facts changing when the facts change, but there are some things you're allowed to keep in-house. Yeah, and I think that, as I say, Gerard being the example. Now, remember, Gerard had been in football since he was, what, eight Right. Media trained media to win trained. an inch yeah. of his life. England but, captain, Liverpool captain, you get all the media training in the world yeah. there. But Bill should yeah. be Bill should be learning but from that. Bill should be learning exactly, right? Um what Gerard would do, as I say, there were times it didn't matter what you ask him, right? He would just give you the answer that he was wanting to give. 
And that's what you need to do as a manager. And you're right, it's just some things you need to keep politics. in house. It's politics. politics. It is. And you just need to try and keep things... Um, if there's no advantage to saying it, don't say it, is you know, probably the rule. Because everything does, by people like us, I'd bet it, you know, we're not... Uh, we're not hypocrites here. Um, it gets analysed because as a Rangers manager, is such a huge part of our lives and such a huge thing in the landscape up here that everything you do see does get analysed. But uh, moving on then, Andy, um, your mate Sakala. <laughs> uh, I'm done. Sorry. Right. Uh, and I know he gets numbers and, you know, he, he gets goals against other teams and, yeah, all the rest of it. I can't have a forward that I can't trust in big games. Sorry, I, I want I want some quality up there. I want guys I can rely on, and we we've none, and we need four or five. I totally agree, and the fact that we're trusting Sakala is the problem, because Sakala and a squad would contribute, right? But the fact is that we're having to bring him on. Okay, it was an injury. But we brought to Tillman, maybe caused it, right? Maybe. But the fact is that we're having to bring him on at half time again to save a game against your biggest rivals to save the season. Was it no Kenny came on for? Uh, aye, but I mean, it might not have happened if Tillman had, had stayed on. That's what I mean, the kind of knock on effect, you know, having to move Tillman, uh, Cantwell, and all the rest. See, to be honest, I think if we did no subs, either shouted one of us at the stands to the place. <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, the miss is, is Van Vossen asking the fact that it's almost a carbon copy of the last time is, is you know, a cruel joke to us. Um, it's one of the ones that may see him leave Rangers because, you know, you sometimes don't recover for things like that. You need to redeem yourself yeah. in a pretty Van big Vossen way. To do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he's got attributes. I've said he's the biggest goal threat we've got, but I, I see that with the, the context of what I've just said, which is it shouldn't be the case. Right, we shouldn't have Sakala as our main striker. He should be a contributing forward that you know knocks in ten goals or twenty-five games of the season, and isn't starting against Celtic or in more big European games. So that's the context. Um, the, the, if you want me to give him a defence, this is me being super positive. He gets in the position, which is more I can say for some of them. Or else, yeah, right? and I, but I think that that is part of the issue that we've got guys who can do certain things, but not somebody who can do the complete package. And yeah. the, the the reason that Celtic have beat us in these last three games is that they've got better forwards. It really is down well, to that. Yeah, yeah, we make mistakes, but they punish mistakes. They made mistakes yesterday, but we don't punish well, them. There was a there was an incident when Carter Vickers and Starfield looked at each other, and the ball was in between them, and Morelos got the ball. And his total lack of, I mean, total lack of pace meant that he kind of checks in and looks about him for a pass. Whereas if we had any, you know, I'm not talking about a top class right, I'm just talking about a competent striker at a Rangers level. He would have been running for goal there and he'd been, you know, asking questions of the two centre halves because he'd made a mistake. And it was things like that that when they get a chance, they capitalise it. They're just sharper all round in, the, on, in body and in mind. Um, I think they know each other really, really well, whereas your team sometimes play like the, it's the first time they've met. The, the one thing I, I wanted to make a point of, because I've, I've referenced this before, because in the League Cup final, I feel worse after the League Cup final than I did yesterday, because I just thought, I thought we were absolutely atrocious in that game, right? But see this commitment to play football from the back? We either do it or we don't. Because what we were doing yesterday is we were doing it in, in spaces and then we get so far up the park and then we'd try and hit Sakala and no Sakala Morelos and nothing was sticking because Carter Vickers just had him in his pocket. Andy, and sorry, it, I, I lost count, mate, the amount of times we'd pass the ball out, we'd go to Goldson, then to Davies, then to Barisic, then Long. Especially yeah, in the first exactly. half, it was a nightmare. And this is, this is the kind of point I mean, and I know there was nobody to hit there, but the last 10 minutes was especially disappointing for me because I thought we were all right second half. I think with most of the game, I thought we were the team in ascendancy. And I know that will be because they were containing us and looked to hit the break. But the last 10 minutes, we just lost our discipline. McGregor shelling boys. Uh, you know, it, it, we either commit to us playing the game to the back, which is the way I, I, thought, I thought Bill would set up, or we don't because this kind of halfway house, it was just confusing to me. It was confusing to me. But I do accept that it might be because, you know, we're talking about Ken and Sakala, 
how the fuck can you do that when you've got the A2 as the wide men to receive the ball? So it's it's two things. It's ta- it's confidence and talent, right? And they're obviously not the most confident in the world. Part of the problem I felt yesterday again was that it took us to go a goal behind to react because in the first half we are far too safe, and that's a confidence thing. Celtic will try things because they don't fear that. Well, if we give the ball away, they might run up and score, whereas we do, right? Um, and you can see that. So players take safe options a lot, and that's what causes the stuff to break down or never get going. So there's there's that. Secondly, of course, there is the inability because yeah, it's alright saying right. Well, I'll I'll pass the ball forward. For, frustrating thing for me yesterday was again right. See when we got absolutely destroyed by them in a couple of games, it's because the midfield completely owned our midfield, destroyed them in the 3-0 the and the 4-0. And that hasn't happened in the last four Old Firm matches. The midfield's been, well, League Cup, uh, I apologise. But, you know, the, the last two games, our midfield's been fine, right? Competed. As I say, maybe you could say a wee bit more creativity, but I'll give them a pass on that because of what was up front. Yesterday, Lundstrom, much maligned um, and had a very bad season, but he was all right yesterday. Raskin, bad mistake, but he was all right. Campwell was good. The midfield was fine. It will compete. Sometimes Celtic will get the better of them. Sometimes they'll get the better of Celtic, right? That that happens with two good teams. But the difference is Celtic had a defence that can keep Wayne's out of close and they've got forwards that can score goals. Rangers had a, a decent midfield yesterday, a real risk behind it, and fuck all in front of it. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the pod, folks. That, that, and, you know, that I, I just don't think that that's going to change with the, the current circumstances. Ross, you've touched on, you. for those of you who follows, uh, follows who uh, subscribe on Patreon, and you all should, by the way, because it's great, but uh, those of you who do will we'll know that Ross is one of our B-team correspondents. End of the season, Ross, now you mentioned there you don't want to see Ken and Morelos. I don't see the point of playing either of them, in, in all honesty. And I get, well, we're Rangers, we still need to be winning games, but you know, realistically, what's the point of having them in there? And there's no guarantee that them being in means you're going to win games anyway. So there are squad players who haven't had much opportunity that will probably get an opportunity in the end of the season. I think Matondo's won. Anybody from the B team that you think is worth a few matches between now and the end of the season? Lowry obviously is back fit and you would expect to see him in a few games. Uh, Leon King's had a few games. Is there anybody else that you think between now and there? And I'm not even saying every game, but you know, certainly maybe home matches or whatever that could come in and feature. Certainly. So, I think just kind of on the former point, the only only bit of logic I could see from Michael Beale's point of view, and I think it would be a flawed logic, is if he wanted to try and play Morelos and Kent at Ibrox against Celtic just to give himself a chance of getting a win over them. But again, even even if miraculously they did just do something who gives a fuck right because it doesn't mean anything in the main I think there's some players who have been already around the first team squad who would benefit from getting some minutes and I say benefit because listen they're still incredibly young men they're precocious they're talented young players but at some point like you say you need to let them win their spurs so players like Zach Lovelace for example personal favourite of yours David I know he's had a fantastic season for the B team so far he came with a lot of pedigree behind him coming from Millwall, who he was promised first team minutes with this season, and look how well they are doing in the championship. So he does come from a very good level, very talented young player, technically very good on the ball. I think he's been in and around the first team squad. He's been training with them for a while, possibly with a view to giving them minutes this tail end of the season. So he's someone who I'd like to see get a wee bit more minutes. Someone else who's already made the first uh, first team debut away at Livingston is, of course, young Bailey Rice. Bailey's a fantastic midfield player. He's very, very confident on the ball as well. And what I mean by that is he's not just good at taking it in, moving it sideways, moving it on. He's very good at driving with the ball forward. And I'll put the same caveat in as I put in for all the, the B-team players. I understand they play in the in the Lowland League. And I know Michael Beale has said himself that the Lowland League is not perfect preparation for the Rangers first team. and never should be. I'd be really concerned if it no, was. Yeah, exactly. Team, I, that, yeah. I, know, I, just, I know we're maybe no scouting in the markets we used to, but for fuck's sake. <laughs> but, but what it does do is it gives them a, a flavour of league football over the course of a season. And I think we've seen players benefit from that. Adam Devine, for example, managed to come in uh, and do a very good job earlier on in the season. You mentioned Leon King as well. So we do have a, an opportunity here. I use that word incredibly loosely, opportunity. But there is a chance here to give these young players some minutes towards the end of the season to try and 
build them up, show them that the pathway to the Rangers first team is clear. And I think in doing so, you create a, a much more positive atmosphere around the B team because, listen, I'd hope we're never in this position again where we do have these five meaningless games at the end of the season, but you need to make them worth something. And I think making them worth something in this instance would be uh, showing young players that the pathway is available to them and giving them those minutes because that can only be a good thing for their development. Andy, um, like most things in life, I'll, I'll refer back to uh, my my own personal guru, Homer Simpson, who once told us that uh, the Chinese have the same word for crisis as they do for opportunity, crisisunity. <laughs> so uh, on the one hand, right, this has been just a boot in the balls this season, right? It really has. Uh, there's no, no getting away from it. Disaster of a season, awful. It's why it's led to, you know, changes of chief exec, director of football, manager. Uh, and I think a large part of yesterday was the legacy of Wilson in particular. But it is potentially an exciting time ahead, though, if we you know, we'll see players coming in, hopefully of a decent standard, hopefully that can bring us a little bit of something. And that needs to be the focus moving forward is, yep, the past is gone and it's been painful and we don't forget it, but we do need to start to look forward and go, right, okay, what's next? Well, we're about to buy season tickets, and um, I'd be very surprised if there was a major drop-off in numbers. There's a 90, 99% renewal rate. There you go. So um, that tells a story, because I always think that, you know, I, th- I think the Rangers fans have became, uh, I wouldn't say blindly loyal, but it's it, there's something good about our culture, fan culture just now, um, in terms of sticking with the club, despite having grumbles, justified or not. But come July, we'll all be ready to go. We'll have fresh faces. With fresh faces comes fresh optimism. Um, I am an optimist by nature. I believe that you just move forward. Um, it's hard to do that when you're sitting in the house last night. Or you kind of get to sleep last night because of what's happened. And you're replaying things and it's just another kicking the balls, as you say. But you need to start with belief. And if we don't believe we can turn this around, and I take... Ross's point about Postacoglu doing it so quickly because I'm I am very guilty of saying well try to tell me we can't do it. I don't think I think it's easier to do in Scotland than anywhere else because you only need to tip the scale against one team, right? Yeah. And as I say, we will refresh. We'll get players. I think they'll be of a, of a standard that's required. And the other thing is that Celtic have, have set unbelievable standards for themselves, and as is their model they might have a wee turnover as well and they might see some of their better players, the difference makers, move on and then they've got the challenge of replacing them. And that doesn't always, always work out as good as the recruitment was uh, two years ago. It wasn't that long ago that we were the ones sitting on seven, was it seven victories or, or seven undefeated against them over a period of two years. It can happen and it can be reversed and it's no beyond us because, as I say, we're kind of on an even footing in most regards with them now. So I, I always I always have optimism, and you know that, David. It pisses everybody off. But I I just don't believe that a club like ours, and this is where I think we should have more confidence, is it can recover for where we've had. Right? I don't think we should think we can recover for this, and that they're unassailable, and that the end is nigh, and you know we're we're entering into a, a period of absolute dominance in their part. We're in an absolute dominance in their part. So. We've punctured the twelve uh, ten in a row, which we were twelve just now. So and we've achieved a European final. This can be things can change fast in football. That's my new catchphrase, isn't it? it? Pisses everybody off, but things can change fast in football, and you need to keep moving forward. And there are reasons to be optimistic, as I say. I believe in Bill. I believe that the tactics that we've had against Celtic haven't been too far off. I referred earlier on, David, to the fact that I think there will be a wage bill rationalisation that will free up a lot of money. Uh, I think that there was always going to be a wee bit of, of cash available more than last year. You know, we talk about the Bassey money parts and money and that kind of stuff. It's not as simple as money comes in, money goes out. It has to be within the same uh, accounts a year and all this kind of stuff. So I think there was always going to be a wee bit of more give this summer than last. But in saying that, we did spend over summer in January, the the guts are 13 million gross. So we have had investment in a team, it's just no went to plan and a, and we have had a cost season 
when it comes to injuries because um, even a couple of the players, a couple of Lawrence and Aruf would have made a, a difference to a couple of these games we played against Celtic. I'm not saying it would be sitting here challenging for the title, but it would have made things a wee bit more palatable, I think, for in terms of results. So that's that. I mean, folk look to me and and, and say, right, well, you're you're sunny side up, happy clapper. I am, but you've you've got to get on with it. We we have come back and we are Rangers and our standards and we will not lose them. I think folk are fearing that we're losing standards and we're we're, we're kind of dipping to this saying it's acceptable. Maybe I don't think that's ever been the case. Never ever in the support or in the stands or in the the directors room. I don't think that's ever been the case. It's just been <sighs> circumstantial. <laughs> mm. is, well, that po- is that positive enough? That, that, that'll do. That'll do. Um, because I don't think any of us are really feeling today. But, uh, but, you Nobody know, wants we'll, to hear it. No, you, that's exactly it. And people need to be allowed to you know, to, to react the way they do. For me, I'm kind of with Ross. as players I don't want to see again. I want the season finished and I want to get on to the next chapter. This one was, was a disappointing one. <laughs> put it mildly but yeah I think now we you need to look to the future because when people say you know that that great question football where do we go for here next season it's all you can do it, it doesn't stop it comes around again and when the first fixture kicks off on the Saturday at three o'clock it doesn't matter if you're ready or not it's coming so the, the it won't wait for you and that's why it keeps going and there's always there's always hope um but with hope, there needs to be justification as well, and that will only come through an influx of good, talented players. Right, folks, thank you so much for listening to us today. My thanks to our executive producers in London, and my thanks to my two guests today. First of all, Ross Hutton. Thank you very much, mate. And Andy McGowan. I'm not going to lie, that was a struggle. That was so fun <laughs> today. It basically been this season, has been like pushing a car up a fucking hill with, with a handbrake on. But, uh, you know, small mercies. The summer will be here. A big summer, a huge summer. And let's hope Rangers get it right. Thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>